Good morning. Today is Thursday, October 6th, 2022. And I'm going to be providing a voiceover for our next sub stack in the well-being series. In this one, we're going to talk about the number one killer in the United States in the age 18 to 45 bracket, bracket currently. This killer has caused lives to be ruined and families and communities to be decimated. By COVID-19, you say? Oh, by fentanyl. Fentanyl is the number one killer in the United States for most age cohorts. Unfortunately, the CDC doesn't track deaths in a timely fashion to confirm that reality. But here's their position. They will say that they don't really know because, quote, overdose deaths are spread out across four different death categories, accidents, suicide, homicide, and undetermined. The implication of this CDC spokesperson statement is that we live in some reality where the 1950s never ended, where it is either too painful, shameful, or irrelevant for our society to track drug overdoses in a meaningful way. For me, I think the answer is obvious. I think we can probably all know cultural shame when we see it. The definition of shame is well known. Shame, a noun. A painful emotion caused by consciousness of guilt, shortcoming, or impropriety. The susceptibility to such emotion. Okay, but here's where it gets weird. Searching and shifting through the CDC web pages, it turns out that the CDC writes that it does track overdose deaths through a system called SUDORS and another program called DOSE. Those are programs that extract data from state death reports. They are complex programs and fairly new, but they basically extract IC-10 death codes and other relevant data from state death reports. But many or most states don't track drug overdoses, overdose deaths by drug. So there is a which comes first, chicken or egg problem in fentanyl death data tracking. Could it be that the CDC is hiding the data? Now, that has never happened before, sarcasm. We all know that during this COVID crisis, the CDC was caught numerous times hiding analyzed data, as well as not analyzing data or reporting data. My fear is that maybe this behavior is not new. My fear is that the CDC doesn't want the American public to know the real numbers. So I'm reading pages and pages on the CDC website about how overdose deaths can be tracked, which is quite complex. And this whole system's appear, system appears to be a quote workaround because tracking deaths from overdosing from fentanyl does not appear to be a primary CDC objective. However, I have a goal. I'm searching for numbers, fresh numbers, numbers that support the claims that we are now 300 deaths per day from fentanyl overdoses, a number that I could never verify before, because that is the number that is, quote, out there in the press. But on the CDC site, the actual numbers are still buried. For instance, at the bottom on one report, there is a link. The link goes, drug overdose deaths. And where does it take me when I click on that link? I get a pop-up from CDC. It says, oops, we can't seem to find the page you're looking for. Please try our search or A to Z index. Search cdc.gov. 
run into this dead end again and again. I'm sure you're all familiar with receiving those kinds of messages from our government. Then I find what appears to be it, the page with my answers. A June 2022 report and the data on the June 2022 report is that from 2020, another dead end. Okay, so the CDC's most up-to-date report on drug overdoses is from deaths in 2020. Enough of this. At this point, I have to give up on the CDC for answers as to how fast this epidemic is growing. I have to trust that the nonprofit groups working on this issue have numbers that are trustworthy because our government, near as I can tell, is either completely incompetent or playing hide the data. You decide. I know which answer I'm betting on. Then finally, when digging around, I find some more recent data from the CDC website. It turns out that there is data on combined drug overdoses. The panel is titled 12 month ending provisional number and percent change of drug overdose deaths. Basically what it shows is that about 120,000 people will die from drug overdoses in 2022. In this particular graph, the downturn of the curve in 2022 is a reporting bias as 2022 is not complete yet. That 120,000 people equates to 334 deaths per day. Now we know where the 300 deaths per day figure comes from that was cited in Fox News. To put this in perspective, Right now, the seven-day rolling average for COVID-19 deaths in the United States is 304 deaths per day. In the meantime, by extrapolating IC-10 death codes from the CDC databases, various groups have come up with some numbers. These numbers don't always match the official numbers or each other numbers. Here's a quote. Fentanyl overdoses have surged to the leading cause of death for adults between the ages of 18 and 45, according to an analysis of U.S. government data. Between 2020 and 2021, nearly 79,000 people between 18 and 45 years old, 37,208 in 2020 and 41,587 in 2021 died of fentanyl overdoses, the data analysis from opioid awareness organization Families Against Fentanyl shows. The bottom line is that fentanyl overdoses have become the number one cause of death among U.S. adults in the age bracket of 18 to 45. This is something that everyone agrees on. Not COVID-19, not car accidents, not suicides, fentanyl. This is a national crisis. Even CDC will sort of admit it. Here's one quote from a CDC spokesperson. If one assumes that the other synthetic narcotics categories for those 18 to 45 is 90% fentanyl, then one can argue that unintentional fentanyl overdose is likely the leading cause of death in that age group. <clears throat> However, because we don't have exact numbers of fentanyl deaths for that age category, we cannot say for certain that this is accurate. Despite all of the CDC tracking programs, the truth is that most state crime laboratories and coroner's offices do not track fentanyl-related deaths. 
and the official fentanyl death statistics can be difficult to come by. This may or may not be why the CDC hedges. But what everybody can agree on is that is why the numbers produced by the CDC can only be an underestimate of the true death rate, much as the VAR system underreports vaccine adverse events. One thing that shocked me in looking at this data is that it is not teenagers overdosing. These deaths are adults, mostly between the ages of 25 to 64. These are our parents and grandparents. These are our adult family members who are dying of drug overdoses. And I provide a figure uh, that has been accumulated uh, from the SUDORS system, State Unintentional Drug Overdose Reporting System, that backs up that assertion. What is going on? In reading about fentanyl, it's clear that the problem is multifactorial. Fentanyl is extremely cheap and extremely potent. It is easily cut into other drugs so that the newly formulated product potency is much greater than the actual product. Because the potency of fentanyl is so high, it's hard to meter out correctly. The tiniest amount can be lethal. Combine this with the fact that there are some drugs like marijuana, which people view the product as not having significant toxicity. Basically, they smoke a lot. So, on the weekend maybe, they smoke, quote, bunch of weed and don't realize they've injected a lethal dose of fentanyl that's been used to boost the potency. Yes, this actually happens. This is important. For me, I don't smoke. Heck, I rarely have a drink. I prefer to keep my mind clean and my gout away. However, I am from California and I have a lot of friends and family that used to or maybe still do smoke. What comes to my mind is that one thing people can do to protect themselves other than quitting is to ensure a safe source of marijuana or other drug product. But marijuana in particular is problematic. Maybe it's time for some people to invest in an arrow garden. Better yet, quit. Marijuana is a drug that people use recreationally. It's not my place to lecture, but knowing the risks are out there with the fentanyl augmentation, let's call it, or supplementation. Is it worth it? The other issue is that fentanyl is being cut into cocaine, and this is now a fairly routine practice. Near where I live, there was recently a news story of multiple overdoses, which resulted in a conviction. Headline, Bailey's Crossroads, Virginia. On Wednesday, a Dumfries man was convicted by a federal jury of six overdoses, including one death in Bailey's Crossroads. According to prosecutors, Michael Vaughn, 28, distributed cocaine laced with fentanyl at a party in the skyline area of Bailey's Crossroads. He was convicted on charges of distribution of fentanyl resulting in death and serious bodily injury and possession with the intent to distribute fentanyl. Then there's this fact. Powdered fentanyl looks like many other drugs. It is commonly mixed with drugs like heroin, cocaine, and methamphetamine and made into pills that are made to resemble other prescription opioids. Fentanyl-laced drugs are extremely dangerous, and many people may be unaware that the drugs are laced with fentanyl. Synthetic opioids such as fentanyl are now the most common drugs involved in drug overdoses and deaths. The percentage of opioid-related deaths involving fentanyl increased from 14.3% in 2010 
to 59% in 2017. No data for what they are currently in 2022. <clears throat> Then there's the fact that fentanyl has, quote, cut into or even replaced entirely the supply of heroin and other opiates, according to Wikipedia. Fentanyl is mainly coming from Chinese factories and is then trafficked to other countries for illicit production and sale. In the United States, a lot of fentanyl is coming through in through Mexican cartels, having been imported from China. Although it's unclear how much is coming directly from China into the United States and then added directly to other products for distribution. This is a border security issue. And the current executive branch and UN Agenda 2030 position is pro-open borders. To a significant extent, the flood of fentanyl that is killing as many or more Americans than COVID currently on a daily basis is a consequence of US government executive branch policies which may account for the reluctance of the CDC to provide timely data. But let's face it, a lot of people were abruptly weaned off of oxycodone when the prescription crackdown occurred in 2014, and they found fentanyl to be a good substitute. There are many who chose this drug because they are already addicted to prescription opioids or heroin. Most addicts hold jobs, have families, or go to school. They are people that we interact with daily. They maintain their addiction through time and are careful to keep their addiction under wraps. A dear friend of mine who lives in rural Georgia lost her daughter in 2016 to oxycodone. The backstory is that her daughter had been addicted, got clean through the help of an inpatient rehab program. Soon after release, she went to a wedding where a cousin brought her stash. They got high together. So she took the same amount of oxycodone that she'd been taking prior to getting clean. But, but because her body was no longer acclimated to the drug, it was a lethal dose. This death changed my friend and her family forever. It's a cliche to say that there is nothing worse than losing a child, but in this case, it was true. I have another friend that we've known since 2003 who's been suffering from addiction for the past decade. Like many now addicted to opioids, she, quote, used to be an alcoholic. After almost losing her marriage and months in and out of rehab to the tune of $100,000 plus, she kicked alcohol, only to find opioids the year after. This addiction has cost her marriage. Her husband of 20 years finally gave up after a decade of watching her decline and doing everything possible to save her. Finally, he had to save himself. I've watched her go from a promising young scientist with a passion for horses and gardening to a shell of herself, and she is a shell. Her mind is blown. Her body is wasted. Jill and I have had her stay with us, have tried to help her over the years, but she just can't escape her addiction. The end stage of this addiction is not pretty, not for the faint of heart to witness. It's devastating. The impact of losing a functional adult with years of potential life left is enormous. An adult who has a family, maybe with children, who is unable to function normally in society or dead. Children who have to watch their parents unconscious on the couch, unable to cook dinner day after day. These drugs cause real damage, not only to those addicted, but to those who love them, live with them, and are with them. 
We all know this, but what to do? That's the question. Unfortunately, at the individual level, the help all seems to center around expensive rehab centers. And I provide panels relating to this, um, including a, a National Library of Medicine article, quote, opioid abusers at higher death risk when addiction specialists not part of care from Medline Plus, that summarizes that a 2017 study looked into the death rates for opioid addicts who only went into hospital care versus those who worked through an addiction treatment program. They found that treatment programs had significantly lower death rates than hospitals, meaning opioid addicts may benefit more from a formal treatment program. Addiction specialists can help recovering fentanyl addicts acknowledge the problem and its contributing factors, as well as teach them skills needed to resist fatal relapse. Outpatient centers are generally thought to be good transitions from inpatient to outpatient, but not so good for actual detox. I find it hard to find the official numbers of people who regularly use or are addicted to opioids. That number is curiously elusive. For instance, HHS cites the following numbers but fails to include fentanyl in their survey instrument. Quote, in 2019, an estimated 10.1 million people aged 12 or older misused opioids in the past year. Specifically, 9.7 million people misused prescription pain relievers and 745,000 people used heroin. They also write that 1.27 million Americans are receiving medication-assisted assisted treatment. This data appears to be from 2019. The average cost of treatment per episode is enormous. This is a table of data from 2022. Methadone treatment uh, average episode cost for adjusted for inflation to 2022 is 12,183. Non-methadone, 2,228. Intensive outpatient treatment, 4,939. Adolescent outpatient treatment, 3,278. Drug court costs, 5,083. Adult residential treatment, 9,766. Therapeutic community treatment, 32,523. And in prison therapeutic, in prison therapeutic community treatment, 2,317. These are hypothetical numbers now. If each episode costs 32,000 and 5 million people were treated, that would be $160 billion per year. There are 14,000 plus in substance abuse facilities in the United States. This is big business, $160 billion. In the end, on a national level, what can be done? The nonprofit group Families Against Fentanyl argues that Congress must call fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction, that the war on drugs must be taken to the next level. This would mean, of course, World Health Organization and United Nations involvement. To me, this seems extreme for what is a homegrown societal problem, which has been aided by countries like China and Mexico. Even if we shut down all of these drugs from entering through Mexico, how does the U.S. government stop entry through the Chinese shipping channels? I don't see an answer to stopping the flow of fentanyl in the United States by involving the United Nations. I do believe that negotiations with China 
to stop drug production must be a priority for the administrative state. But that is only part of the answer. The big issue, the elephant in the room, is, quote, how does America stop its drug addiction problem? This is our problem. We must own it before we can fix it. In researching this article, I discovered that the CDC puts little effort into understanding the crisis. Outdated web pages and outdated statistics. Government pages that have different statistics from different years. The lack of solutions and cohesion in these pages is astounding. To say that there is a lack of resources coming from the U.S. government is the understatement of the year. This isn't a, quote, war on drugs. Our government seems to have opened the floodgates on drugs coming in overseas. Fentanyl addiction is the elephant in the room that the CDC and the U.S. government has virtually ignored for years. To that end, below are a few resources and some ideas about what to do and not do if you suspect an overdose. There's a graphics panel here that shows signs of use, drowsiness or nodding, constricted or pinpoint pupils, agitation, depressed respiration, confusion, and euphoria. Signs of overdose, severe drowsiness or inability to be woken, slow heartbeat, seizures, respiratory reduction, and low blood pressure. Slang terms and texting phrases to be aware of. Fading is slang for the high. Fet and fetty, ice cream, Chinese food, white 80s, Phantom 100, and A215s. If you suspect an overdose, lay the person on their side to prevent choking. And we provide a panel about what not to do when some are in overdoses. Do not slap or forcefully hit them. If you cannot wake them by shouting, rubbing your knuckles on the sternum, the center of the chest or rib cage, or light pinching, the person may be unconscious. And the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration should be advised or your local health authorities. Do not put them in a cold bath or shower. It could cause them to go into shock. They could slip or drown if left unattended. Do not give them a drug or substance other than naloxone. Do not make them vomit. They could choke on or inhale the vomit, which could be fatal. And about Narcan or naloxone. Who should carry naloxone? The following individuals should carry naloxone according to the CDC. Those at risk for opi opioid overdose, especially those dealing with opioid use disorder. Individuals who take high-dose opioid medications prescribed by a doctor. Those who use opioids and benzodiazepines together. Individuals who use illicit opioids such as heroin. On its website, the CDC recommends that individuals should let others know that they carry Narcan in case of an overdose situation where they likely will not be able to use the reversal medication on themselves. I'm afraid that there's no happy note to conclude on with this essay, except to love your family and friends, discuss the issue of fentanyl addiction with everyone you know, and please keep a careful watch and be kind to your children and all of the people around you as much as possible. Be good. Look forward to our next chat.